Good evening, Nicole. Next on News for the Soul, it's time for Breaking Through with Grace Gideon. Grace is a passionate and dedicated international life coach with a bachelor's in law, a master's in East-West psychology, and an expert in addictions. Grace combines these skills in her practice to clinically and intuitively diagnose and break through subconscious issues that prevent you from achieving success and fulfillment. She has a unique capacity to tune in to repress psychological and emotional blocks and to teach effective techniques to transform your life in a deep and long-lasting way. And now to help you make your next breakthrough, here's Grace. Hey Grace, how's it going? Hey Nicole, can you hear me fine? Yes, perfectly. How's it going? It's good, except my voice might sound a little bit croaky. I'm trying my Demi Moore voice for everyone today, so sorry guys. Mm. Weather's changed in Australia and my voice is a bit croaky, but I hope you can hear me fine because we've got a great show for you today. Awesome. Well, reintroduce yourself and your show and then let us know where you'd like to start. Okay, great. So I'm Grace Gideon and um, this is Breaking Through with Grace here on Youth for the Soul, life-changing talk radio. I love to say that over and over again just to affirm that we're here to change our lives, not just to have a chat, although having a chat is fantastic too. And today's life-changing topic that I've chosen is conscious relationships. It's not my own coined term. We've heard it uh, bandied around, but I've got my own version of what a conscious relationship is. And I've been doing some Facebook posts inviting people to dialogue on this. And I hope some people who have responded to the Facebook posts are on the show today and get a call in later and give us their opinions on what is a conscious relationship? So there's some really great information. But before we launch into that topic, I'm just going to recap a little bit from my last show. And that was about self-esteem. I discussed the difference in that show between self-consciousness, self-reflection, self-esteem, and self-love. I mentioned that you need self-reflection to build self-esteem self-esteem to build self-love and self-love to get rid of self-consciousness. I also gave everyone an assignment to do, which we posted on Facebook, and you're all still invited to go on there, have a look at the assignment, or go on my website under radio show page, have a look, uh, and answer the questions to the assignment and send them to me at grace at gracegedeon.com, G-R-A-C-E, G-E-D-E-O-N.com and I will respond to your questions and I'll give you feedback on your answers to that assignment. So we had some awesome questions from you guys last week. We had some people calling from Canada. We had people from the UK, from America. We had Carolyn call us and ask what would be the best way to help a family member who's living with deep lack of self-love and self-esteem and we had a tiny little chat to Carolyn and her situation and gave Carolyn some guidance and if that's a question that you yourself have, go back and listen to that show by going to my website or by going on youthforthesoul.com and uh, and you'll hear the insights I gave Carolyn, you'll hear the answers I gave the other people who wrote in their questions and you'll also hear about Uh, my definition of self-esteem and how I encourage people to go through a formulaic process. 
So if you have listened to my previous shows, you know that during each show, you get the opportunity to access my skills for a little bit of laser coaching. So a process with me is a few minutes of coaching where I use my intuition and my psychological skills to access some subconscious beliefs for you. Uh, sometimes you'll hear me say, what happened when you were eight years old? Or tell me about so-and-so. And that's where my intuition is giving me some guidance about a trapped trauma. So if you get that, try and go with it. Uh, and you might not have it in your conscious memory, but it's something that's coming to me that is relevant to the question you're asking at the time. So that's how I access the subconscious stuff. And the rest is basically uh, processing with you on a conscious level around those repressed memories which we have to bring to the surface. So you can go through what I call a three-step process. Again, not original, but I loved it when I heard it. Name it, claim it, let it go. This is a vital process to avoid bypassing. Bypassing is a pet dislike of mine spiritual bypassing, positivity bypassing. Uh, it's very, very important for people not to go from pain to ecstasy, but rather to travel through the journey of work that's required to transform the coal of your character into diamonds. If you bypass, then you'll collapse again and then you'll be disillusioned and you'll go, what happened? And sometimes you think you've done the work, but the universe has decided there's something still there you haven't done, and it sends you back again. Because the universe, in, in my opinion, and I, I agree with Carl Jung on this one, is, has, a goal, has a goal for humanity, and that goal is to move towards wholeness, which is what some people call enlightenment, but Jung calls it wholeness. I call it wholeness. I like Jung, obviously. So I'd love it if you guys call in with your questions and issues. Nicole will be with me during the show. All you have to do is call when I say it's time on this number. One for America, 646-595-4274. Then you can press one and you'll hear a message. You're now in the host queue. And hold on, and Nicole will put you through to me if we've got enough time, which hopefully we will. If you're too shy to call or you think, oh, all my friends are listening and everybody's going to know my issue, you can email your question to ontheair at tellus.net. That's ontheair at T-E-L-U-S dot net. Just one L, T-E-L-U-S dot net, and I'll answer it for you. But I'm going to encourage you to call because I can read your energy better if you call than if you send in a question and I can ask you some questions so you'll get a bit more uh, feedback, a bit more pertinent feedback. But don't worry, we've got the whole of the rest of the year to get to know each other and you can call another week. So let's jump to our exciting topic for today, relationships and what I'm calling conscious relationships. This, you'll see some of my examples in my dialogue 
talks as if I'm talking about romantic partnership relationships because that's mostly what most people are asking about. But if you're having a difficult relationship with a family member, mother, bro- mother, father, brother, sister, child, deep friend, lover, this can apply to that too. I think it really applies to any key relationship in your life. I wouldn't be applying it to, you know, the person at the shop, but I would be applying it to key relationships which are people who have come into your life for a major assignment. On some level, everyone's in your life for an assignment, but we've only got so much time on the, in, in a day, in a lifetime. So we're looking at key relationships. And for a lot of people who've experienced heartbreak and disappointing romantic relationships or disappointing relationships with key family members, really dig deep into this one to start to ask the question, what is a conscious relationship? Okay, guys, ponder that question. What is a conscious relationship? You can call me later and tell me your views on that. For me, I like um, a thing called definitive nomenclature, where the name of something describes what it is. It defines what it is. So often when I get a term, whether it's depression or this one, relationship, I sometimes sit there and I just mull it over and I think, hmm, definitive nomenclature. Why was it called a relationship? Why is it called a relationship? Let me break that word down. So my first question then is, what is a ship? I know you're thinking, that's a really dumb question, Grace. How dumb can it get? But don't worry. Just go with me on this one. What is a ship? Let's just look at that. A ship is a type of vehicle, isn't it? Or a vessel that takes people from one place to another across water. Yes? A ship takes people from one place to another across water. This is where we get a little bit deep, pardon the pun. Water in Jungian symbology is a symbol for many things, but one of them is that vast bodies of water, like the ocean, according to, according to Jungian uh, interpretation, vast bodies of water, like the ocean, represent the vastness of our unconscious minds. The place where we store a lot of our emotions, feelings, memories, desires, all beneath the surface of our conscious mind. So if you can just picture this image, that a relationship is a vehicle for people to travel the vastness of their unconscious mind, journeying from one point to another by way of relating to each other. That relationship is your vessel. It's your vehicle for that journey in life. That journey from point A to point B, that journey of your growth and transformation via that relationship. 
Now, maybe, I mean, not maybe, but for sure, you could take a journey on your own without the vehicle of a relationship, just like you can do a great ocean swim or you can meditate on a mountaintop on your own and they would be transformative, deeply transformative. I'm not saying you need to relate, nor am I saying you need that vehicle. I'm just saying that I'd like you to look at key relationships in your life as vehicles by which you embark on a journey. That way, you might apply yourself with more respect and more consciousness to that relationship because it's taking you on a journey. So when you complain about it or when you dismiss it or when you ignore it, it's kind of like having a car right in front of you and just pretending you don't. That will help you get to, from one destination to another. You don't have to take that car, but don't pretend you don't have it. And that relationship, don't pretend it's not a vehicle for your transformation. Let's take this metaphor a little further. Okay? So you're out on the ocean in this relationship. Are you with me? Picture it. Picturing a big ship, big cruise liner on the ocean. A conscious relationship is one where the ship's captain is awake, alert, engaged, capable of observing and navigating the deep, unfathomable waters, emotions, subconscious terrains with mastery. There's no denial, no avoidance, slacking off or ignorance. Maybe not no, but minimal. However, an unconscious relationship, think about it. What's happening to the, to the crew on an unconscious relationship? Well, just to use an obvious example, an unconscious relationship is like the Titanic. It can look amazing. It can have all the bells and whistles. It sank. It didn't make the distance. Why? Why didn't the Titanic make the distance? When I was researching this topic, I, I researched that question and there were many theories. But one of the theories as to what happened to the Titanic was a phenomenon known as thermal inversion. Thermal inversion. Listen to this. It's so interesting. Thermal inversion caused the light to refract in unusual ways. This made objects appear distorted in size and position and what it did was create a false horizon. A mirage was formed between the false horizon and the real one and that prevented the lookout from seeing the iceberg until the ship was only a mile away and it was too late. Isn't that amazing? Human relationships 
are much the same, right? To the extent that we disown, deny, or reject parts of ourselves, then we're basically operating in our relationships with mirages. We have our own version of thermal inversion in action. You know, the, we see things, light refracts in unusual ways. We don't see clearly. What happens is our world is one of projection. We project our subconscious issues onto the people we're in relationship with. We project our subconscious issues onto the people we're in relationship with. That's our thermal inversion. That's our mirage. Projection creates mirages. They're mechanisms of avoidance, denial, deflection. We use all of those just to protect ourselves in some way. But all of these mechanisms add to the mirage. Everything's distorted. We're not seeing the truth of who the other person is. They're not seeing if they're projecting back, which they usually are because water seeks its own level. We're, we're not usually attracting people at a higher vibration than ourselves. We're usually attracting people at the same vibration. So they're projecting onto us. We're projecting onto them. Everything's distorted. We're sitting there going, I don't, why don't you get me? I just don't get why you don't get me. They don't get why we don't get them. Then before we know it, the relationship hits an iceberg and it goes down. All the bells and whistles, the fancy $100,000 wedding, the handwritten heart-crafted vows, just don't cut it. What happens is illusion causes disillusion and then eventually dissolution. Illusion causes disillusion, eventually disillusion. Breakdown, heartbreak, loss. Some people don't let themselves feel that. They, they just do anger and indifference. Nonetheless, it's a breakdown. And again, this is not just romantic relationships. This can happen for people with their own parents and children and lifetime friends. Let's have a little bit of a chat about how we avoid this disaster. Maybe some people know this stuff innately. Maybe some people never venture out into stormy waters or iceberg territory, so they don't confront these issues. You know, I have people in my life who seem to have awesome, easygoing relationships, and I just go, wow, look, look how simple that is their relationship is and how beautiful it is. It's just not a problem for them. Or I don't know them well enough to see the problems, so I project that they're doing well. But those of us who struggle in this area, people who come to see me, people who've gone through a journey like me, we need to take stock and make sure we understand how to be awake and alert keeping our relationships conscious. How do we do this? How do we do this? We read a million self-help books. We pray, we meditate, we do personal growth courses, we listen to news for the song. That's all great. Specific topics and specific work applies to specific situations. 
in this area, what we need to do is look at our blocks to intimacy. In this area, we need to look at addictive relationships. We might think they're passionate, but they might actually be obsessive or addictive relationships. We need to look at what are called trauma bonds. And then we need to look at the components of a healthy relationship and how we're going to move away from trauma bonds trauma bonds, away from addictive relationships, away from blocking intimacy, away from fear of intimacy, and into minimal projection and healthy relationships. Just like in self-esteem, we move from self-consciousness to self-love. From this, we move from dysfunctional to functional, from addictive to to creative mutual growth relationships. As with anything, this involves an engagement in self-reflection. And the key thing to ensure is that our childhood issues and past hurts from previous relationships do not become destructive projections onto our current partners or people in our lives. But we see them instead. We constantly, vigilantly see them as opportunities for healing and connection and relationships for our mutual growth. We also learn not to choose soul-destroying relationships and to leave soul-destroying relationships in the most loving way possible, if that's possible. Um, I want to be realistic. Sometimes it's not, but I'm just giving you a framework here. And when you ask me your questions, we can explore the intricacies of your situation. In future shows, next, next show, I've got a guest, Jane Brown, who's going to talk about transforming your life through transforming your space. But for a few shows after that, I'm going to come back to the concept of relationships and conscious and unconscious relationships. And in those shows, I'm going to explore blocks to intimacy, trauma bonds, addictive relationships, and the key components of healthy relationships. So, but today it's an overview to see whether you're conscious or you're operating on autopilot. So don't worry, I'm not just going to give you concepts and leave you. I'm actually going to give you details in future shows. And uh, and if you miss, if you can't listen to a future show, you can always go back on News for the Soul or my website and go, yep, I'll go back and have a look at this one. Now, <clears throat> Marianne Williamson is the great interpreter of A Course in Miracles. It's not my forte. But as, as a friend and student of Marianne's, I've learned a bit from her about what A Course in Miracles says about relationships. And it says they're assignments. They're part of a vast plan for your enlightenment, the blueprint by which each individual soul is led to greater awareness and expanded love. The Course says no meetings are accidental. Isn't that mind-blowing? I just love that. No meetings are accidental. Those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. And I like to link holy from A Course in Miracles to Jung's expression of seeking wholeness. 
those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. It's profound, you know. I mean, if you listen to one of the previous shows, I talk about how I went to um, Paris for, for Marianne's 50th birthday and my mother and sister were in Beirut at the time and they said, pop on over um, for for a week or so and hang out with us. It's not far. And I, I went to, to Beirut and we have an apartment there and I went for a jog, which you don't do in Lebanon, but I did. And I came back and somebody was visiting my sister and his name was Rashid. He was a friend of a friend of my sister's. And there I was in my lounge room and we locked eyes across the room and we were married 10 days later. So, look, I don't want to guarantee miracles or magic, but that was pretty magical. Those who are to me will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. And our son, Sebastian, is just the most gorgeous, holy little bundle of energy you'll ever find. And thank God for Sebastian. Now, I'm sure we've all heard this before. Relationships with others are, guess what? They're a mirror of the relationship we have with ourselves. Conflict with others is a mirror of the conflict we have between our persona, the image we project to others and show others, and our shadows, the bits of us we hide. You meet people. I know that I was going through a phase where, I mean, what do I mean I was going through a phase? I was going through a few decades where I didn't feel sexy or attractive and I'd always be drawn to super sexy, super confident men. I always felt attractive, but I never felt sexy and confident and arrogant. You know, I know that arrogant isn't a good quality, but I was just drawn to it because it was a disowned part of myself. And there's a good version of arrogance, which is self-respect and self-esteem. And so anytime I'd come across a man who was super sexually confident, and super confident in themselves. I just, ugh, like my energy would be drawn to them. And I learned that I was being pulled because they represented a designed aspect of me. So if that person wasn't having a relationship with me, they could sense that I had a weakness in that area. So they weren't there to, they weren't there to plug in and give me that energy. You know, they they didn't want, you know, um, an energetic drain on on them. So they would kind of go, yeah, you're a nice girl, but. And what I learned is I'd go away and I'd work on myself and I'd claim my sexiness more and more and I'd claim my confidence more and more and then that became part of me. So... I was no longer denying it and seeking it outside me. I was no longer in conflict between the good Lebanese girl and the sexy, passionate Aussie. (laughs) I hope none of my relatives are listening to this show. I'm going to get in big trouble. Um, So, yeah, so I integrated the two. And so now 
when I see a sexy, confident man, I go, yeah, cool, you know, good on you. I don't need you. I've already integrated that part of me. Or for some people, when they don't feel very intelligent, if they work on their intelligence, then they no longer crave that, you know, to hang around super smart people because they're super smart in their own way. It's not like you go around shopping and saying, I want a bit of that, I want a bit of that. It's a, it's a personal inquiry about what what your calling is and what your longing is. And you get to choose that. I don't choose that for you. Nobody chooses that for you. You choose that for you. But relationships are a mirror of the relationship with yourself. And as such, again, they're a vehicle for you to go from point A to point B across the waters of your subconscious mind. The people who have the most to teach us are often the ones who reflect to us the limits to our own capacity to love. Those people who consciously or even unconsciously challenge our fearful positions. They they bring up fear in us. People who bring up fear in us. People who make us recoil. They're the people who challenge us to go further and dig deeper in our capacity to love. Um, For example, if you can't stand, if you can't stand needy people or demanding people, go back into your memory and think of where in the past you were used or drained and you, you had no voice around it. And if you release that trauma from your cellular memory, then the person who's asking that of you now won't press your buttons as much. You'll actually be able to lovingly say no to them or even have a decent dialogue where you highlight to them what's going on. So these, these types of relationships, they show us our fear, they show us our walls, and our walls are our wounds. They show us our fear, they show us our walls, and our walls are our wounds. That's the place where we feel we can't love anymore, where we've burnt out, where we can't connect any more deeply. We can't forgive past a certain point. That's the point past which we seek divine guidance and we seek help to push, to expand, to grow. Now, A Course in Miracles and Rumi both say this in their own words, but essentially that your task is not to seek for love, but to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, well, just the looking for love is probably not the right approach. It's it's love is everywhere. Love is the essence. It's the fabric of the universe. It's seeking and finding all the barriers within ourselves that we have built against love because we made up a story that love was painful. We made up a story that love has no focus on us. We made up a story that love was dangerous or love was fantasy or love was Disneyland 
lots and lots of stories. And, you know, the best stories are the ones who are super intellectual people who've written books and books about it, you know, and, and we get high on disputing the existence of love through intellectual stimulation. But what happens alone at night when you put that book down and your heart's hurting and you're lonely and you've doubted yourself so much and you've, you know, skydived and jumped out of aeroplanes and made a million dollars or $10 million and raised children, but you come back and you realize your heart is guarded because somebody hurt you and you didn't know how to drop that barrier. It's a good time to go back and look and say, what would it cost me to dig a bit deeper and drop that barrier and allow love to come into my life at a more profound level. I said before that the great psychoanalyst Carl Jung was of the view that the human psyche is goal-directed. He uses the word teleological. That means humanity has a purpose and its purpose is to move towards wholeness. He says this comes from the communication between the conscious and the unconscious aspects of the psyche. And the relationship is a vehicle by which you can travel that journey and, 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 and have your unconscious aspects of your psyche highlighted, communicate them to your conscious mind and move the whole of humanity towards wholeness. Because as each person involves and a critical mass accrues, you know, we tip over into, you know, we go viral on love. In a conscious relationship, you and your partner move towards the goal of wholeness. How? You move towards the goal of wholeness, whether it's your partner or, or another key relationship, by fostering each other's psycho-spiritual growth. You accept each other's humanness, which is your shadow, and you support each other's growth towards wholeness, which is the light. It's not perfection. It's wholeness. What happens then is you and the other person come into a type of resonance, a type of resonance like in music, and then you develop a harmony with each other. I know it sounds boring, like you're walking around on air being super nice. It's not. The resonance and the harmony and the fostering each other's psycho-spiritual growth can have a lot of tug or pull in it, but there's always a witness in the back of your mind that goes, damn, I know exactly why he's doing that. He's doing that because I was so pathetic last week and being X, Y, and Z, you know, and, and he's challenging me to be a better version of myself. And, and, you know, and I know exactly why mum's mom, why doing that. She's challenging me. But this isn't done with abuse. This is no excuse for abuse. It's a challenge. It's an encouragement. It's, it's a recognition. It's a mirror. It's not abusive. It's an assignment to challenge you to be your best, not a whip to beat you up and break you very different things. And as you ask your questions, I'll explain that to you. 
in that unconscious relationship, people don't foster mutual growth. They nag each other. They criticize each other. Done in a way where they're actually resisting the universal will for their mutual growth. They're kind of stuck on a level of projection. Um, And they go round and round and round and nothing changes. And it's quite difficult to be in a relationship like that. And it's quite difficult to be around that. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Every relationship has a level of projection in a positive or negative. When you have a positive projection, you can idealize the other person. And you can disempower yourself, whether it's your husband, wife, mother, brother, sister. You're pedestalizing them. And, you know, that, that, you know, they're the ones with all the power and you kind of approval seek from them. With negative projections, you go into better than and you make fear, judgment and resentment the key emotions towards the other person because something about them triggers pain or shame or disappointment or some other uncomfortable feeling in you. Maybe they remind you of a painful partner or a teacher or a parent or someone from the past. Maybe they remind you of someone who you gave your trust to and then they betrayed you and so you kind of think, I can't trust that type of person anymore. Sometimes it's good to be cautious, but you can't stay stuck at the level of projection. This is information required to transcend, not information that you constantly revisit, resent, resense, recycle. If you're stuck on that level, then you're stuck on a level of some kind of codependent relationship or a power struggle. That's not going to foster growth. It's either going to foster mutual suffering or mutual apathy, indifference, sloth, pain, sloth, suffering, degeneration and in those sorts of relationships like you can be stuck arguing about the obvious things but the deeper powers of your subconscious are riding gunshot over your life's experience over how your life looks and feels and you may end up breaking up that relationship over something you know over the fights over over the obvious but the whole time you're completely oblivious to the deeper lesson that your relationship was designed to help you learn. Guess what? If you haven't learned that lesson, what's going to happen? If you haven't learned the lesson intended by that relationship assignment, you won't evolve to a higher vibrational relationship. I'm not saying you won't have a different relationship. I'm not saying you won't actually enjoy a better version of some kind of relationship. I'm just saying from a psycho-spiritual evolution point, if you don't learn the lesson, you don't evolve to a higher vibration nor relationship. Back to the drawing board. So, as I said, today's an overview on conscious versus unconscious relationships, creating that metaphor for you of the relationship being the vehicle for your psycho-spiritual growth by which you go through, through the unconscious into your soul evolution, your soul growth, and, and your partner goes with you. That's the relation part.
part of the relationship that you and the other person go on this journey together. I hope that's been helpful to you guys. And so now I just, um, I did some Facebook posts. Uh, we can talk about them if, if no one has any questions, but um, hopefully call first, somebody's going to call in. Great. Any callers? Okay, stand by, Grace. Uh, let's just try to see if the board's working. We'll try to take a caller first. Area code 323, you're live with Grace Gideon on News for the Soul. What's your first name and where are you calling in from? Hello? 323. Uh, yes, my name's Tom. Hi, Tom. Do you have a question about contract relationship today for Grace or just something else? Uh, it's sort of, I guess it's a, a mix of things. Um, I'm in a relationship now where um, one of the things for me, I guess, is how, how I guess, how conscious to be um, in a way that I'm tested in, in a way that I've never, I guess, been tested before in a relationship. I'm with someone who's completely different to any other relationship I've ever had. You know, the intimacy we have is extraordinary, you know, and almost it's to the point now where she shares so much that I don't necessarily feel like I need to share. And if she asks me, I will always tell her the truth and always, like, whatever she wants to know, I will tell her, but I don't offer anywhere near as much information as she offers me. And I wonder, huh. my... So it's a kind of, it's almost like beyond, and I don't know what may be my avoidance versus what is actually just healthy boundaries, I guess, if that makes sense. Does she ask you for information, Tom? No, she doesn't. But when it comes to a certain point and I may divulge something, then she's like, why would you not tell me those things? Or she'll say, what are you thinking? And I'll kind of go oh nothing whatever and then she'll really push me and I'll say and she goes why wouldn't you say that and to me there's been about five or ten thoughts before I've even got to the thought that I told her about and I kind of think if my brain works so fast and there's so much going on if I told I wouldn't have any time to do anything if I told her what was going on with me all the time you know and I Mm. guess sometimes it upsets her that I don't divulge certain things and sometimes Sometimes I just wait till the right time or, you know, and she'll often say, what? So, you know. So she wants more from you? Not, look, not on more? a constant basis. It's not something, it's like a day-to-day thing. But when, when it does come to a head, that's one of the things. When, when things come, when we have, like, it's not conflict necessarily, but it upsets her sometimes when there's things that have been going on that she has been able to see and then says, well, why wouldn't you say that? And I just, well, like, I'm not ready. Or, okay. You know, there's been a, a few bigger things that have come up and, and I say, well, I deal with them in my life. And to be honest with you, she said things to me more recently saying, you know, I have things in my life that were before her that I use to help me with things. I have people I call, I have, you know, a range of different mm-hmm. people I talk to in terms of making decisions mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and things like that. And, you know, I have my own way of dealing with those things, partly, part of which she understands. And even though I've divulged all of it, part of which she doesn't understand, I guess. Are you... Um, uh, who's, who's, who's a more confident person, you or her? That's interesting. Depends on the environment. In work and career, her 100%. In relationships, me mm-hmm. 100 Like, 
I'm way beyond it. So I don't get anywhere near as affected okay. by my family, my friends, any of that stuff. Whereas in work, so in, you're actually, in the work world, yeah. So you're actually a bit more confident in her in the area of um, than her in the area of emotional and personal growth. You, you've actually yeah. sound like you've done a lot of work on yourself. Okay, yeah, so have. do you yeah. have do you have do you have either a tendency to withhold or do you have perfectionism? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Like I definitely have so perfectionism. This is what, tendencies to perfectionism. Okay. Okay. So this would be really good for you as a man because you know, um, it sounds like you're one of those men who've done a lot of work on themselves and you actually have some emotional intelligence to share. I would yeah. encourage I would encourage you to look at her as a bit of a mirror and notice how she confidently gives her opinion and um just just in a moment just say to her, I actually have an opinion on this, would you like it? And right. where you where you're resisting saying something or where you're waiting, you know, offer. Make more right. of an offering. Do you find yourself to be a generous person? Yeah, and but that's the other thing is like, you know, there's some stuff with her family and I said something to her the other day, just very off the cuff and because I know, you know, I guess I know people because I've done a lot of therapy and group therapy and, you know, I, I know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. And so I mentioned mm-hmm. something about her sister the other day and it's got her really worried. And part of me goes, oh, do I, have I, I opened a can of worms with her sister about her sister mm-hmm. in a way to her that she hadn't noticed before. Now, I'm sure she's really happy mm. about it, but I also, it's like, that's, uh, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because when I was talking about key relationships, fostering each other's growth, um, and I said, it's not all la-di-da, la-di-da. Sometimes somebody with insight will will open up a Pandora's box. And then I guess the thing to do is do it lovingly and support her as she unravels this bit. But yeah. I think, I think Tom, you have, a, you have a gift and you have a lot to share. I would just encourage you to be polite, which you sound like you are, and kind and... Just ask, would you like some feedback rather than sit back and wait? And um, she sounds confident enough to tell you if she doesn't want it. And that way way you'll get that kind of mutual banter, not just on a, you know, on a humorous level, but also on an emotional, spiritual level. Does that help? But it's also, yeah, it does. But it's also about what I reveal about myself too and what I'm thinking about my own personal stuff. Well, you've you've got boundaries and you can contain how much you want to reveal so that the relationship isn't all about her giving you advice. Because right. that's not healthy, yeah, is yeah. it? You don't yeah. want to do no, that. You don't want to over-disclose. And it's good for you, kind of like what I was saying, steering the ship, you know, has this relationship become one where she, you know, she gets to tell me, everything and I just listen. Re-navigate it. You've got the emotional intelligence to do that. Thanks, Tom. Lovely to hear from you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.
Thanks for coming in. Call. Are there any more calls? I'm just trying to reload the uh, switchboard here. Bear with me, Grace. Um, also, we are nine minutes from the top. You know, if this topic is vast yeah. and we've is got there a lot any of... any other callers? Um, well, we've only got nine minutes to the top, so that means we've only got like a few minutes to wrap up before you do your yeah. shameless self-promotion. So we've got to kind of tie it in. I'm glad you're going to be revisiting this topic, though, because... Um, it's a huge one. It's been a, a major issue, uh, not issue, but topic or area of growth. It's one of the biggest areas of growth for the conscious crowd, right? Um, and there's, I just want to put something out there, um, you know, for you to maybe address next time when you pick this topic up, because it's um, for many over like two decades of talking to people, as soon as people started embarking on the consciousness path, the first thing to get shaken up was relationship. And there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that, you know, once they kind of realized that they were manifesting patterns and stuff, myself included, you know, steps completely out of the relationship zone to work on oneself. And there's this huge pattern I've seen in the last 10 years where many people have been single for a long time. Mm-hmm. Long time long time so it's an interesting new area that we're kind of exploring why do you think that's that's been all about. single for a long time why do you think that well like been i said uh, the time? pattern i've seen for decades in talking to people and with myself as well is that we start on the the spiritual path and the the personal development path and start mm-hmm. working on ourselves and then because you're always mm-hmm. in flow you're always in flux you're always in growth and you're always in motion so it's hard to kind of yeah. lock into a place you know what i mean it's, it's a weird new thing that that i've seen developing in the last 10 years or so and um it's very you know i thought it was kind of uh, here and there but I, I almost every show for about two years was had a caller going through this and so it, it's really uh-huh. come more the foreground so it's something you might want to think about addressing as you're going through the the conscious relationship topics when we come back to it yeah that's very interesting that's very interesting Mm -hmm. i guess people sometimes take it on like you know there used to be a thing where i've got to lose weight before i get into a relationship maybe people have turned it into I've got to get more involved before I get into a relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of it was, yeah, we like, don't want to attract the old patterns and the old uh, archetypes in, right? That's right. But I think that creating a wall, I guess that's the whole thing of a relationship being a vehicle for growth rather than a destination like once you've done your growth, you get in one. Be very careful of that. That's That's not... Mm. That's not what I'm supporting. I think that's a form of avoidance and a form of fear. I mean, obviously, every time someone, you know, goes through some kind of breakup, they've got a repair phase. But if the repair phase becomes your life, then you've gone into avoidance. There's people who go to 12-step programs um, like Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, and then they work the steps and they sponsor people, and they haven't had a relationship for 10 years. But gee, they're good at working those steps. I don't mm. think that's what we're here for. You know, I think well, the way this we have to find a way to the, be vulnerable. Yeah, well, the way this was showing up was all the callers calling in, where's my soulmate? I'm trying everything because they've been out of the loop so long and they couldn't get back in the loop. That's how this started showing up. Yeah. So not so much, yeah. not just avoidance, but just off the rails entirely or maybe, you know, 
are we all supposed to, is that everyone's purpose and life path? Maybe some of us aren't meant to go that route, right? Like there's so many questions around conscious relationships. So like I said, though, we're, we're coming up to the top. I want to make sure you have time to wrap this up yeah. for people, let them know that you're going to continue this and what's coming up and share sure. yourself from like good stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, I'll give everybody, um, look, if you didn't get a chance to call in or send in a question, please um, email me, grace at gracegideon.com or put a post on my Facebook, Grace Gideon. But I'm going to give you your journaling assignment for this week for those listening to the show. So grab a pen and paper because there's five questions and we'll post these on Facebook and on my website later. The first question is, are you currently in a conscious or unconscious relationship? Ask yourself that question. Are you currently in a conscious or unconscious relationship? The second one is, go back and describe your parents' relationship with each other as you observed it growing up. Do that in one paragraph. Don't write pages and pages. Just one, maybe two paragraphs. Describe your parents' relationship with each other as you observed it growing up. Number three, describe five character traits of your mother and five of your father. Number four, describe five character traits of yourself and five character traits of your partner or the person that you're doing this exercise about, the key relationship. And if you can't think, if you don't currently have a partner or someone you're doing it, go back and look at the composite former partners and just do a composite and do five character traits of those people. Then finally, number five, write down the similarities or look for the polar opposites to see where your subconscious is doing the choosing and how projection might be operating in your relationship. Write down the similarities or look for the opposites to see where your subconscious is doing the choosing and how projection might be operating in your relationship. Once you've done that, please email me your answers, any questions you have, your insights at grace at gracegedeon.com, G-R-A-C-E-G-E-D-E-O-N.com. And um, I'll get back to you on it. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we'll have on the next show, uh, which is on the 24th of April, 3 p.m. PST, we'll have the vivacious and very talented Jane Brown. Jane is an international multi-award winning home and lifestyle designer who transforms lives by transforming physical spaces. She'll have some special giveaways for some of you lucky listeners. Uh, And other than that, I just want to encourage everyone to keep listening to the show building community. If you'd like to do a one-on-one with me, go to my website, to the booking page, click on that, book a session, we can Skype. And just remember, thanks, Nicole. I'll I'll wrap it up there. I'll do my signature close there unless you wanted to say anything, Nicole. Um, No, just 
great topic and looking forward to all the next shows. It was, uh, more. Mm-hmm. more. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. Always good to have a chat with you. Sorry about my croaky voice. I hope it was okay. And just remember, when you understand the workings of your psyche, what drives you to think, feel, and act the way you do, your breakthrough is imminent, and your life can be amazing. Goodbye, everyone. I'll be back in two weeks to help you make your next breakthrough. Bye, Nicole. Bye, Grace. Have a good one. Grace is all linked up at newsforthesoul.com. I'll be speaking live with Greg Braden tomorrow morning. Don't forget that, newsforthesoul.com. All the details there on the schedule page. Next is Christine Scott, your true identity, and then we're back live with Kim Bright. And talking about Bowen therapy healing right after this. News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is Uri. Hi, Uri. It's Nicole Whitney calling News for the Soul. Welcome to News for the Soul of Robert Allen. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here with you tonight. Why are you here? We're talking to Carolyn Mace about Sacred Contracts, one of her many best-selling books. Welcome to the show, Greg Braden. Well, good evening, Nicole. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to hear your voice and a pleasure to be here tonight. Welcome to the show, Stuart Wilde. Thank you very much. John Kehoe, welcome to News for the Soul. Hey, how are you? Next up, Dr. David Morehouse. 